0: How many of you believe I can do a message in 20 minutes? Yes, with the Lord's help, I can. So um, the, the worship for this morning, I can tell you um, every time that I sit down to do the worship, I just trust that God is going to lead exactly what songs we are going to worship to. And uh, this morning was no different. And of course, on my heart, as on all of your hearts, is uh, our our brothers and sisters in Israel. And um, so it's been a very challenging week when we look at the news. And it made me reflect on a lot of, just a lot of my own um, experiences with the Lord Uh, I'm not going to go into it. Most of you know my story, how I I ended up in Messianic Judaism. And uh, when God formed LOJ, line of Judah, in 1995, honestly, I don't even remember how many of us there were. But um, it was interesting how 1995 was when God formed us as a congregation. Our first trip to Israel was three years later, Um, which would have been Israel's 50th uh, anniversary, which was their their jubilee. So when I was preparing to go, I had been praying for a long time for a friend of mine who had become Orthodox and made her home with her family in Israel. And I made arrangements to see her. um, I think it was one of the last nights that we were in Israel. And I didn't want to just kind of stand there looking at her, um, and I prayed and I asked the Lord, "Well, you know, what, what would you like me to share with her?" And um, God impressed upon me that I was to share the scriptures from Ruth 1, 16 and seventeen, and then another friend of mine in the states who is um, also um, he's conservative, conservadox and he, he helped me learn the Hebrew. I, I have to say, I did not memorize it. I, I needed to read it. And um, today, I can only speak three of those words by heart, which means, but Ruth said. So, I'm going to read these scriptures to you, because this is my story, and it really has not changed since then. Most of you know the story of Ruth. Um, Ruth was... Um, The daughter in law of Naomi. Um, Naomi and her husband had gone to Moab when there was a famine in the land of Israel. And her two sons married two Moabitess women. And um, she got wind, got news that the famine was over in the land and she wanted to go home. But in the meantime, her husband had died and her two sons had died. And She had told her daughters-in-law that they should stay behind and marry men from among her own people. And the one daughter, um, Orpah, she eventually agreed to stay. They both wanted to stay with Naomi, which, um, you know, when you think about that, um, it's a testimony as far as what a mother-in-law should be like. A mother-in-law should be somebody you would want to stay with. And they both clung to her. And it wasn't until she got adamant that they should stay that Orpah decided to stay. But Ruth dug in her heels and she said these words to Naomi Urge me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go, and wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God shall be my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. These are the words that convinced Naomi to let Ruth accompany her back to Israel. And these are the words that I shared with my American Jewish also Israeli Jewish friend, because these are the words that the Lord asked me to share with her, not in English, but in Hebrew. And um, it still holds true today. This is what God has called me to, to do, to be a Ruth. And I know many of you here are also Ruths. Many here are Naomi's, and many are Ruth's. Um, so that has been my story that um, I, I had another friend who actually is an atheist um, say to me at one point in time, oh, you, you really have embraced, and I'm going to use the, um, the Yiddish term, the Hebrew, sh- the Jewish stick And I said, no, as a matter of fact, I have not. What I have embraced the God of the Jewish people. He is my God. He is my Redeemer. Um, interesting, several years later, after being in Israel the first time, um, we were invited to um, an Orthodox bris, and some Jewish friends of ours were at the, at the table where we were sitting and um, having our lunch, and he was asking us about being messianic and because he knew we were, we are. And he started to kind of smile a little bit and he said, well, just wait. When push comes to shove, I guarantee you, you will no longer be messianic. That is not true. The, the rest really is history. And uh, it's way too late for that. It's way too late for anybody sitting here. If you think that the powers that be don't have your names and addresses and know who you are, where you worship, and what you believe, we are just fooling ourselves. And so today I say this, and I I got this, I kind of borrowed this from a former president that I remember when I was a young girl. Um, And and his name was... um, John F. Kennedy, he went to Berlin for a visit. And while he was there, I don't know if I can remember it by heart, so I'm going to have to say it, Um, he gave a speech in Berlin. This was just when the Berlin Wall had been constructed. And he was going there to encourage the people of Berlin. And one of the most famous phrases of his whole speech, he spoke in German, and he said this, Ich bin ein Berliner. He said, I am a Berliner. And of course the people just broke out in applause because what he was saying to them is, I am you. I stand with you. And today I say, I am a Jew. I stand with the Jewish people and I stand with the God of the Jewish people. He is my Redeemer. He is my healer. He is my defense. And he is your defense, he is your God, he is your healer, he is your deliverer. And I can say that without without being um, sacrilegious, because this is what Rabbi Shaul wrote in the book of Romans. He is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he or she is a Jew who is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. That is why I can say I am a Jew. Because God transformed my heart the day that I gave my heart to him. He circumcised my heart. He gave me a new heart. He gave me a new life, and there's no going back. There's no going back in who I am in Messiah, whether I call myself by Christian or Messianic or just a child of the Living God. There is no giving back, going back, because there is no other life that I would rather have than this life as a daughter of the Most High God. He is our defense. Praise God. And when Rabbi Shaol said that about the circumcision of the heart, he was simply quoting Torah. And as you all know, I said that going forth this year, uh, we will do the cycle of the Torah portions. And um, we'll get to Deuteronomy at one point at the end of the year. But he was quoting from the idea from Deuteronomy 10, 16, where the Lord says through Moses to the people of Israel, who had already been circumcised, he says this to them. Basically, he says, the circumcision of the flesh is not enough. He says, therefore, circumcise your heart and be stiff-necked no longer. And in Deuteronomy 30, verse 6, Moses says this also. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, that you may live. And I trust God because he circumcised my heart. He has circumcised the heart of my descendants, my children, and my children's children. And I believe that for all time he will continue to do that until he returns. In Jeremiah 4, he says this to the people of Israel, actually to the southern kingdom of Judah, he says this. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Take away the foreskins of your heart, you men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest God's fury come forth like fire and burn so that no one can quench it because of the evil of your doings. And so we need to remember that there is a consequence to not receiving that circumcision in our hearts, that there is a judgment coming upon this earth. There is a judgment day coming, and our hearts must be circumcised before the Lord. So, um, as I just said, that we are going to be doing um, the Torah portion going forward, and for all of you who received the um, emails, this week's Torah portion is Genesis 1-1 through Genesis uh, 6, verse 8. And uh, one of the things I, well, I want to tell you that one of the reasons why we're doing this was because during the month of Elul, when I was praying, the Lord said to me, return to the ancient paths. And I truly believe that the Torah portions are the ancient paths of our ancestors, our forefathers. And so it, it, it is a blessing and a privilege to be able to go back to the ancient past and look at these scriptures. And typically, if you do just the Torah portion, it will take you less than 20 minutes. If you add on the Haftorah and the B'ritatashah, it will take you a little longer. But 20 minutes is not much time to give to the Lord in a week. And if you meditate on these, it might take you an hour. An hour is not much time to give to the Lord. And if you read them every day, it may take you several hours during the week. Several hours during the week is not much time to give to the Lord. So I I encourage you to... uh, you know, to read and to study the Torah portions. Um, Typically, when a Torah portion is taught, it's not the entire Torah portion. We'd be here for several hours if we were to look with a magnifying glass at every single scripture from Genesis 1-1 to Genesis 6-8. So the Lord put on my heart just five verses, And it is Genesis 1, 1 through 5. And if I can find my first page. (laughs) Okay, here's my first page. So if, if you could just stand for these five verses. I'm going to read verse 1 in Hebrew. Elohim In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light, and God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. Amen. You may all be seated. So, I want to begin by saying this. The first recorded words of Adonai in Scripture Is this, Vayomer Elohim Yehi or? Let there be light. Those are the first recorded words of our God in Scripture. Let there be light. Because we read earlier in verse 2 that darkness was on the face of the deep. The first thing that God wanted to do was eradicate the darkness. It is still what God does today. And it is what God has called us to do, to be his light, to eradicate the darkness. And so he said those words, let there be light. And the word, the word let is a command. It is a demand that something be not prevented or forbidden from coming forth. So what God was saying is, I command that light not be forbidden from coming forth. And as my good friend Rabbi Peter says, let there be light essentially means what the hell happened to the darkness? Those are Rabbi Peter's words, not mine. I'm quoting him. I love him because he tells it like it is. Yes, he does know the word. And so as I meditated on this scripture, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw the light, that it was good. The light was good. And the light was good because it dispelled the darkness. That's why the light was good. And I immediately thought of another scripture. John 1, again, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning, same three words, begin the gospel of John, as begin the book of Genesis. Bereshit, in the beginning, but this time what's written is, was the word. Bereshit hadavar, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God, all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. John really could have started the first verse in his gospel with these words. In the beginning was laor, the light. Because we read here that he is the light of men. He is the word, but he is the light of men. And that light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. And when I think of Yeshua's light, and I'm taking some liberty with the word, I don't know, I I didn't look up the Greek word for comprehend or overcome. But the way I looked at it was this when the light shines in the darkness, the darkness remains separated from the light. The darkness remains separated from the light, just as it remains separated from the light in the first few verses of Genesis. The darkness never came back and engulfed the light. And so it is with the light in each one of us. That when we walk in the light as he is in the light, the light in us never goes out. But like the virgins in Matthew 25, there is one thing that keeps the light burning in us, and that is the oil. The oil of the Ruach HaKodesh, the oil of the spirit of the living God. And the way that oil is renewed in our lives is, you know, worship, praise, reading the word, studying the word, and communicating with God. Whether it's formal prayers, or whether it's just talking to God in conversation, this is what keeps the oil flowing in our lives. You know, in in the New King James Version, there are 278 references to light. In Isaiah, I think there's 25 references to light. In the book of John, there's 20 references to light. And those are the two books that have the most references to light in all of the scripture. I want to share with you just a few things that I learned about the light. The removal of light was the ninth plague of the ten plagues in Egypt. There was no light where the Egyptians lived. They could not see one another. No one rose from their place for three days. The darkness was so palpable. Do you remember reading that? They could feel the darkness. It was so deep for three days. But... All the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. All of the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. Why did they have light in their dwellings? Why did they have light in their dwellings? Yeshua was with them. And what what else do we know about the light? The Lord said that he would follow them in a cloud by day, in a pillar of fire, which is light by night. He never left them. And we know that when the children of Israel left Egypt, they left as a mixed multitude because the Egyptians saw the greatness of the God of Israel. And they said, like it says in Zechariah, let us go with you because we know God is with you. They didn't know that scripture. Nobody knew that scripture until maybe a thousand years later when Zechariah wrote them. But what they saw as they felt that deep darkness in the land of Egypt, they saw the children of Israel walking in the light that would make me leave my God or God's? If I'm in such thick darkness that I can feel it, that would make me leave what I believe in and go into the light. It's kind of a no-brainer. The last scripture from the Tanakh that I'm going to share is from Exodus 14. And the angel of God who went before the... Oh, this, they're at the Red Sea. And the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. And so it was, a cloud and darkness to the one, and it gave light by night to the other. So that it was a wall between the people who walked in darkness and the people who were walking in the light of the Lord. So I'm going to close with these scriptures One of the scriptures I would have shared with you last week, had I been well enough to be here, is from John chapter 8, verse 12. It is during the Feast of Tabernacles when Yeshua said to his people, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. But here's what we need to remember. We have the light of life as long as we are followers of Yeshua. That's what he says. I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And in Matthew 5, beginning in verse 14, he says these words. You, we, are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. And so let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. This is part of our great commission that Yeshua gave to us. How do we make disciples of all men? With our light. With our light. Yeshua said to the believers that were scattered around him, On that mount, you, I, am now the light of the world. God has called us to let our light so shine before man. In Isaiah, it says that there will be a time when deep darkness will cover the earth. If we think it's dark now, we have no clue about what's to come and I'd rather not know. Let me take it one day at a time, just as Yeshua said in Matthew 6. But he called us to be lights in this world. The very first thing that God created was the light. He called his son to be the light of the world, and he left it to us to be his light in this world so that our light will so shine no matter where we go, no matter what our circumstance is, no matter who's made us angry, no matter if we got up on the wrong side of the bed, no matter if we woke up with vertigo, no matter if we woke up with a cold, no matter what we woke up with or didn't wake up with, the command remains the same. You are to be a light to the people who are dying whether you like the people that are dying or not. You are to shine your light before all men, not selective, all men, so that they may see your good works. What are your good works? Your words, your actions, your attitude. Because when we do that, what did Yeshua say? They will glorify They will glorify your Father in heaven because what you are doing in being a light is glorifying your God in heaven. So, Father, that is the cry of our hearts. We want to be your light because we want to glorify you in all that we say, in all that we do, and in our very attitude, in the look on our face, the look in our eyes, O God, in the way we hold ourselves. Let us Glorify you, Lord. Let us glorify you today, Lord. Wherever we go, whatever we do, let us glorify you. Let us be the light, O God, that you've called us to be. We long to be your light, Father. We don't want to hide our light out of fear. We don't want to hide our light in our anger, we don't want to hide our light under our circum- because of our circumstances. We want to be a light on a hill for all to see, O oh God. So I ask, Lord, for all of us here that we daily, Lord, would receive the oil to keep the flame burning in these lamps within our hearts, Oh God, that we may be your light upon this earth to both Jew and non-Jew. For we declare, Lord, for we are not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of salvation to all who believe, first to the Jew and also to the non-Jew. And may your name be praised and lifted up for all time, for you are good and your mercies endure forever. And all God's people said, Amen and Amen.